When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Football Ramble on Football Ramble Daily. My name is Marcus Speller. My name is Jim Campbell. I'm still Luke Moore. And I'm Pete Donaldson, haters. Happy Monday, everybody. It's bloody lovely to have you with us. We are still here and we flipping well mean it. The sun is out and there's a glorious rambly song in all of our hearts, Luke, wouldn't you say? I would say that, absolutely. And uh, to celebrate such a momentous occasion, I have broken out a fresh pair of tracksuit bottoms <laughs> because I know how to live. Yeah. <laughs> You flipping well do. You flipping well do. Jim, I wouldn't put you down as a tracksuit bottoms type of guy, and that's not to your detriment at all or credit. It's just what I think. Yeah, no, and you're absolutely right, Marcus. I own one pair. I basically never wear them. I feel um, I, I just wear what I normally wear outside around the house, which is stupid. Wear out the, the groins of my jeans a lot quicker for <laughs> that reason, I'm sure. Um, but I, I don't like feeling like I am kind of sitting about the house being slovenly because I am doing that. So mm. I want to sort of trick my mind into thinking so I'm not. So your, your clothes are like a fig leaf then, Jim, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pete very much wears so. tracksuit bottoms when he's on planes. Pete travels in tracksuit uh, do bottoms. Do I? Yeah. It's a good tactic. I'll do that. I don't know if, if he does do that. No, I don't think I do do that. Um, and, and to be quite frank, I don't own that many pairs of what I would deem masturbatory pants. So I will, <laughs> I will, I will masturbate in any, in any of my slacks. Uh, I'm sure. I, again, nobody would... Clip that out. Come on. Nobody would disagree with you there. But we just when we were doing the Ramble Live uh, tour, especially in North America, you had those um, delightful dark green tracksuit bottoms on. Oh, that is true. Yeah, I did flirt with um, a, a certain style that shall not be repeated. I started to look a little bit like the bloke from Aladdin. A bit bad. <laughs> yeah, you did, actually. Yeah. Just far. Mm. <laughs> I think his name's Aladdin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the magic carpet. It might sound strange to anybody listening to think that Marcus would know Pete's wardrobe better than he does, but Marcus generally does notice if you're wearing something new. He, he seems to mm. he seems to have this weird encyclopedic knowledge of all of our wardrobes, possibly because he doesn't drink, and if that's what happens, apparently you have some amazing memory. Haircuts I think as well. it's because, yeah, I think it's because <laughs> he is the best footballer of all of us, and footballers, all of their banter is based around what car you drive or what clothes mm. you wear. Uh, so I, th I think that's why. What gear or clobber? Yes, exactly. Oh, more on that later. By the way, I've got a great story uh, in that area later on. Mm -hmm. So stick around Ooh. for that. Very much look forward to that. I should do, I should clarify, as Pete hasn't done there, and I think it's quite poor of him, to su he suggests <laughs> that I'm sort of making fun of, oh, we've got a new T-shirt, we should have stuck with the old one. That's not very much. I just notice and say, oh, I like it. That's all. Very innocent, very right. encouraging. Yeah, to be fair to Marcus, it, it, mm. it is all... It, I mean, to be fair to Marcus, can I be fair and unfair to you in the same <laughs> sentence, Marcus? I've no doubt you'll try. It's, it is slightly 
un- unsettling, but it, to be okay. fair to you, it is always uh-huh. quite positive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very innocent. Yeah, agree. It's, it's always positive, but the po- but the situation is that he has to point out that he's not a bad man in case him upstairs is listening. So like the I find to you, that Pete. more upsetting. <laughs> I tell I tell everyone that I'm awful all the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, you show rather than tell, don't you? Which is important. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's only when people catch you at the window. You go, look, I'm just an yeah. awful man. <laughs> Forgive me. I'm off. See you later. Um, there we are. <laughs> yeah. there we are. They don't even notice my pants. Anyway, is there any football happening? No, there's not, is there? Carry on, then. What makes you think there isn't? <laughs> well, there was some breaking news on Friday afternoon. Breaking news on Friday afternoon. Three days ago. Yeah, and the breaking news was that the Premier League ha- Premier League clubs hadn't decided on a date to conclude the Premier League. <laughs> Carry on, everyone. We've got some news. Yeah, the news is still that no nothing's news. happening. Yeah. <laughs> Are they going to keep doing this? Like, it seems like every week they have a meeting to go, oh, oh we still don't know what's going to happen. Like, mm. of co- it, it, I mean, we've said it before ourselves on this show many a time. Like, no one knows what's going to happen because the situation's changing all the time. You can only make so many contingency plans. I want, are they just doing it for the sake of it at this point? And I sort of, I, I, that sounds more flippant than I mean it to. Are they just doing it because they have to be seen to be doing something, do you think? I, th- I think what's happening is... Um... As you've already said, Jim, it's a it's a moving feast, right? So it's a pretty fluid situation. <clears throat> and what's also happening is that every sporting um, organisation, whether it be a vastly, hugely popular one like the Premier League or a slightly less popular one, that is all in hock to what the governmental authorities want to do. And so whenever you have different um, associations around Europe talking about what they'd like to do, setting targets and and uh, looking to, to try and bring things back like training in small groups or the talk of games behind closed doors or whatever it may be. It's obviously because everyone wants answers to, to questions that can't be answered at the moment. So they're just trying to do their best. Ultimately, I think... Um, the, it's going to be at the at the, um, at the mercy of whatever the government thinks. The Premier League can't just go outside of what is essentially going to be governmental advice about what they can do. So uh, I guess they have a responsibility to keep um, meeting mm. regularly and, and staying across things to see if anything changes and if there's any solutions that can be made. I, I think mm. it's a slight aside to that as well. I think we're going to be waiting a very, very long time to go to a, as sad as it is to say, to go to a stadium and watch a football match again. I think when yeah. it comes back, it will be behind yeah. closed doors for quite a long time. Yeah, I agree with you. I think um, the, the Premier League, maybe they just miss each other. So they're just having little sort of meetings, but... They'll catch up. Yeah. Imagine the catering, Marcus. Well, I, I mean, they are meeting remotely, Jim, we should say. So, <laughs> oh, that's a shame for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do spare a thought for those poor um, Premier League bosses. But uh, Luke, when you say that they're sort of at the mercy of the government, of course they are ultimately, but they did say they'll only restart when the NHS gives them the thumbs up because they're that aware, as we all are, of course, of, of the, the situation and, and where the, the real front line is and, and where the real pressure is. So, so they will be very cautious, you would suspect, and I agree with you. I think yeah. we won't be able to enter football stadiums for, for a very long time. But the one thing that people did say, uh, or the, the, the whistleblowers of these meetings did say, is that apparently they didn't discuss the option of making the season null and void. They are very, very keen to complete the season. There is an overall feeling. It's uh, it's not got to where it is north of the border, um, even though some some clubs, not in the Premier League, but in the, in the Football League are saying, actually, that's maybe not a bad idea because trying to 
play matches behind closed doors for a number of months or whatever it may be will cost us a lot of money. So we were having a bit of a laugh about what happened north of the border, as we should, because it's a shambles. However, the kind of uh, uh, idea and feeling of ending the season for some clubs who are in financial difficulty might not be terrible. But any restarting of the Premier League is going to be based on matches played with no fans attending. So the situation, as you say, Jim, is all over the place and they're trying to scramble and get something, but very little is 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 being firmed up and because it can't. Yeah. And I think, you know, let's get this absolutely right. I, I, I would be absolutely astonished if there isn't some kind of financial rescue package that's going to have to be administered to clubs uh, lower down the football pyramid. I mean, if you look at some of the transfer fees that have been um, received for championship players in recent years, in in situations that clubs have used that money to try and keep themselves afloat and to do um, what they need to do to survive, and the average uh, championship club um, debt is obviously very very high. It's measured in the millions upon millions of pounds. If if there are no incomings and there's no product to sell, as I said a week or two ago, and the prospect of um, being able to sell players for high transfer fees for all sorts of reasons also disappears then the situation looks very bleak indeed for the the lower the lower league club so <clears throat> it's um it's a it's an absolute game changer it's an unprecedented situation football's going to look very very different when we come out the back of this and while i understand that um keep keeping the season going as much as possible they want to complete it whatever the, whatever the uh, whatever the cost essentially um I understand why that is, but if you look at what happened in Scotland about the prize money and the fact that clubs couldn't mm. survive, I yeah. wonder whether we'll be talking about something completely different in two weeks' time, as we have yeah. been since this has happened. I mean, it feels like it's been happening for about three years because so much has happened. Yeah, yeah, it's not actually been that long. So the picture will probably look different again in a few weeks' time. And also, if I think the government need to be a little clearer. Obviously, a lot has been said about uh, Boris Johnson and the rest of the, his cabinet, uh, how poorly they've uh, managed uh, the outbreak since like February um, they need to be clear about what's probably going to happen in December January February uh, of, of, of next year because this will rear its head once again if a vaccine is not found there needs to be uh, contingencies for that a possible cancellation of the euros and this to go on and on and on uh, and so it is bigger than football uh, and I think the government need to be very very clear and very very realistic about what football clubs can actually do and how they can get filled out yeah, there's a really important point. The reason, the reason for that, I think, is that is the idea that we have to remind ourselves constantly. Um, I have to do this on Friday on the radio. You have to, you have to understand people who, who exist in the football bubble and, and people like us who have to essentially a task with talking about football several times a week and not much else. You know, fifteen thousand people have died. It's a lot of people. To, to have sadly lost their lives. A lot of families affected, a lot of things going on. And I understand why some people might find it a little bit inappropriate even that we're even talking about um, football coming back. I heard Lee Boyer talk about it saying that not a chance, he thought. There's no way it's coming back anytime soon. And that was his mm. opinion, obviously, as in his capacity as, as Charlton uh, manager. But I, I suppose ultimately the large parts of the economy as well and jobs and 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 stuff to stop further suffering, i.e. unemployment and all that kind of stuff, Football is, is a big part of that for a lot of people as well. So um, it, it would be great if it could come back in some capacity at some point soon. But I understand there are bigger things at play here. Yeah. Well, as you said last time, Luke, when we were talking about 
Newcastle and the Saudis take over. And you quite rightly said, you know, we have to talk about it, but also we are a football show. And and so uh, we, we, we're going to talk about is, if football's coming back or not, but in a, an, a in an appropriate manner and, um, and a sensitive manner, of course, because you yeah. have to be mad not to acknowledge the wider situation. The only date that's been mentioned in the press with regards to potentially um, sort of Premier League and whatnot coming back was the weekend of the 13th and the 14th of June, which is, of course, when England were meant to be playing Croatia in Euro 2020, which did make me go, oh, damn it all. Um, but uh, the best case scenario <laughs> seems to be clubs starting training again in mid-May and resuming the season in mid-June, finishing at the end of July. Now, I think that's very fanciful, hence its best mm. case scenario. The worst case scenario that's been mentioned anywhere is, is top flight football in England returning in round about October, which uh, is, mm. is a long way away. But of mm. course, desperate times call for, for desperate measures. I mean, UEFA have written to domestic associations saying they'd bloody love it if everybody can finish their competitions by the 31st of July to leave August clear for the completion of the Champions League and the Europa League, ideally playing the Champions League final on the 29th of August. But again, I just think that is so fanciful at the, at the yeah, moment. Yeah, absolutely. But you can understand why they're, they're trying to um, give maybe a touch of hope you know, in this situation. They're in a weird position, aren't they? Because these contingency yeah. plans have to be sort of torn up and rewritten every couple of weeks, essentially. Because as Pete you know, touched upon earlier, it could be the chance that there is a second wave in the winter and that we have to go into isolation again, even if we've come out of it. And of course, even the likelihood when we come out of isolation isn't that it, things will go straight back to normal. There's likely to still be sort of social distancing measures in place, even though they maybe won't be quite as extreme. So there has to be a contingency plan for the contingency plan becoming irrelevant with, with each one that's made. So it's it's a, mm. it's a it's a difficult one, especially without the catering. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at um, if you look at the if you look at that um, what you said there, Marcus, in in context with what's happened in Germany, um, if you wait for. Um, say that oh you know look everyone can finish their competitions by the end of July that'd be great well Germany have already passed um something down the government have already passed something down saying that all public gatherings will be outlawed until the 31st of August so what what yeah. that essentially means there best case scenario there's going to be no um fans attending any Bundesliga games for the rest of the season essentially if that mm. if those two things coexist then they can't they can't exist with fans in the stadium and that is exactly what what is going to happen i would suggest yeah. but also i think i mean the 29th of august that that champions league final date hasn't moved since they moved it the first time i, I know they said the end of august for that i mean that's in istanbul isn't it now turkey have a, his, a history and a, and a record of massively under underreporting their uh, underreporting their figures, I think it would be massive dereliction of duty for you, for UEFA not to move that from from that city. To be quite frank, just the, the way that they've um, mashed their numbers up a little bit that, that 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 country, I would say. Yeah, well, and Luke, you mentioned Germany there, and they've put those measures in. And Germany, comparatively speaking to other big European nations going on statistics have, have done a little bit better if better is the right word if you, if you see what I mean it's been far yeah. fewer deaths and even they are being that stringent um so uh, as as we keep saying you know we just all we can do Marcus is just report the latest right and and exactly. it keeps changing uh, and we have to keep reporting it indeed yeah. what what about um I quite like this bit of innovation from Danish club FC Micheland who have come up with potentially an interesting way to try and get fans engaged somehow during matches if indeed they come back and are played behind closed doors, which we all suspect they will be for the beginning, um, if, if, if nothing else. They're planning to show matches on large screens outside the stadium with people watching in their cars. Drive-in football! 
Love it. Yeah. Won't work in London, oh. but it could work no. there. <laughs> well, it might take you a long time to get there in London. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 40,000 people. Everyone on the MP- NPC. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the idea of this. I, I imagine it being like a sort of secret cinema style thing where everyone has to mm. kind of dress up. Like you dress up like it's a 1950s drive-in cinema. And then, and then <laughs> Jim, Jim, you jump into the backseat of the car with Pete Donaldson. Yeah. A little Is smooch. That <laughs> little 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 lemonade float with Donnie in the back. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Hello. Well, you guys, uh, one of the things I found really interesting about driving cinemas, and, and Ameri- all our American listeners over the age of 80 will roll their eyes at this, um, but, <laughs> but I, think, I think I'm right in saying, and people can email in if I'm wrong, that when you used to drive to the drive-in cinema, you used to tune your radio to the frequency to get the sound in your car. Yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah. Which is amazing. You could do. Some of them just had little posts that you would just uh, put the speaker through your window, through your car window, and hang oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And Pete, what did you? What? What kind of? How would you treat um, a lady or a man at a driving <laughs> cinema? You get them a lem- lemonade float and maybe a hot dog, or what's what's lemonade the lemonade float? The... Hot dog. Don't get it on the leather, love. Don't get it on the leather. <laughs> That's a new car. All the, all the surfaces are wiped clean in your car, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what I'm thinking, Jim? I'm thinking, how do we get here? Because Pete can't drive. So <laughs> how the hell do we even find ourselves here? Is this yeah. your car, Mr. Dawson, or have you just jumped into it? Look, I can work a radio. I'll turn on David Bowie's Driving Saturday, and I'll just get going. Love mm. that. Love so it. you're not even Love listening it. to the movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm listening to some prime 70s boy. Uh, I love the idea of there being a drive-in cinema and everyone's there getting into the movie with their popcorn and Pete's just shouting out the window, can everyone keep it down? I'm just trying to get a bit of peace and quiet in here. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good idea, though. I love that. I loved it. I read the article in the Telegraph. It was a great idea. They they always do things right up there. Yeah, I I read about it as well. And they they think they can get like a decent amount of people there as well. It's in the the five-digit area. So... (laughs) Actually, be I mean, pretty that's quite cool. a big area, Jim. Indeed, that's ten thousand or ninety nine thousand. Quite. I um I love the idea of somebody scoring a goal and you're just hearing loads of honks rather than a, <laughs> rather than a sort of cheer. I can't believe that no one made a joke about Pete's five digit area. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I I hate to think, quite frankly, Luke, but I'm happy to uh, move on very swiftly before. Um, people get too disgusted and, and switch off their ramble radios. Uh, what I love about uh, um, one of the stories that came out is, despite what's going on, Manchester City have obviously made a new signing. Um, I love they've it. Got a, they've got a teenager from Peru, 16-year-old. I think it's pronounced Clivert. Clivert it is, yeah. Yeah, he'll be joining them next year after he turns 18 years old. He <clears throat> only made his professional debut five months ago, and I thought to myself... Well, he's obviously a young, promising player, and he's got a lot of loan spells to look forward to. Um, of course, when he when he joins Manchester City, but it's it's I find that remarkable scouting networks. I know I'm going to sound a bit sort of I don't know ridiculous, but <laughs> signing a lad, sixteen year old from Peru, who's hardly kicked a ball, he must be yeah. very very good. But like I say. I don't think we'll ever see him in a Man City shirt, sadly. It's, it's, fasc- it's fascinating for a number of reasons. One is um, I can imagine the news being broken to him by his agent or whatever. Um, yeah, so you can decide for Man City when you're 18. Don't worry, nothing's going to change. 
Well, how long for? <laughs> uh, five, six, seven years, I expect. You'll very much probably be quite far away from Man City for the foreseeable future. But, but no, joking aside, I've never seen him play because, you know, no one has. But um, yeah, they, there's obviously amazing scouting networks all over the world now and things like Y Scout are amazing for, for that kind of thing. But the fascinating thing to me, and Donny, I'll bring you on this because this is your area. Like, as soon as I saw this in the running order, I, I just chucked the name Cliver Aguilar into YouTube mm. and there oh, yeah. are already scores and scores of Welcome to Manchester City videos of <laughs> oh, Cliver God. Aguilar. Even though he's made seven league appearances total in his whole career out in Peru, uh, there's a 10-minute video, uh, Welcome to Manchester <laughs> City highlights in HD on YouTube already. What is it? Uh, can I ask uh, about the soundtrack? Is it pumping house music or Evanescence's? Uh, it bring me to life, isn't it? Bring me yeah, to yeah, life, yeah, yeah. It's always that. It's always that. Right, I haven't checked, yeah. mate, to be honest. But um, right. yeah, it's, 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 I can imagine there's quite a lot of padding in that ten minutes. <laughs> any yet yeah, loads of slow motion yeah, any like yeah. uh any like star wipes or any fancy editing is there any kind of like uh, earthquake shakes a uh, lot of stills a um, lot of bloom a lot of bloom on the footage make <laughs> yeah. it nice oh, and green yeah. is it all saturated and over overdone overwrought and at the end there's just one Cruyff turn <laughs> 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 Look at his skills. Whenever you have like a skills package, and it's always like like players like uh, I, 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 I don't know, but like a really ben skillful Arthur. player. That <laughs> all right, Hatem Ben Arfa is a pretty good example because he frequently used to do this and continues to do this. Um, you know, just doing Cruyff turns, ripping the piss out of everyone, and then just it going out of play or going past into a player. <laughs> yeah, because the over. the way to edit it is so they edit it so precisely that if if someone pulls off one of the, if one of the subjects of these highlight videos pulls off a skill they'll mm. cut it straight away so like <laughs> yes, so, it doesn't exactly. look, so like for example it'll be like the idea of someone nutmegging someone you never really see whether the player got round the side and picked up the board again because <laughs> the nutmeg itself is what they're interested in so they just cut it that and, and you can make a player like as joey barton would say it, they did it with neymar <laughs> oh right okay yeah he's, he's, he right, hasn't got liquor right. talent that lad has he yeah. <laughs> whatever happened to him well, more on joey barton later by the way yeah, lovely. Well, oh, really? but, well, let's have a bit of chat about Joey Hart because yesterday yeah. it was his birthday. <clears throat> Turned thirty-three, still fairly young, you know. Well, he's not old mm. for for a goalkeeper, you know. Obviously, he's still had the same entry. amount of people turn up to his party, probably. Oh come on, Ooh. that's 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 no? harsh, isn't it? You can't have a slag him because he played for England once. Is that right? That goes, Marcus. <laughs> What's this about his party? I said he probably had the same amount of people turned up as he did usually. All oh, right, I I thought there was some sort of Toby Young style thing where he didn't have any mates or something. <laughs> well, there is just in my head. All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Derby County are interested in uh, interested in in young Joe Hart. Obviously, his wages could be a problem. There's a bit of interest from Besiktas in Turkey. And I thought to myself, has Joe Hart not suffered enough? He needs a new challenge <laughs> and get him teaming up again with Wayne Rooney. That's what I thought. Yeah, I think yeah. this is a really interesting one. Because it's uh, a lot of it is dependent on whether Loris Loris Carius goes back to Liverpool to replace Adrian, because uh, obviously he's at Besiktas. But I completely forgot that Derby County have a player out on loan themselves who is a goalkeeper, which is Scott Carson at Man City. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I, I forgot I that as well. Completely forgot about that. Wow, well. that's the sort of thing I should be thinking about every moment of every day because it's so weird. <laughs> and there's nothing else to do. And that, yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, if he's if he's weighing up like a move to Besiktas. Sick Dash and uh, Derby County. I mean, surely Derby County. I mean, Turkey it, invariably is a bit of a money move, but I mean, surely Derby County 
they managed to afford Wayne Rooney for crying out loud through through means. Surely they could uh, push the bar out for young JH. And they're subsequent they're subsequently the subject of quite a lot of investigations. <laughs> <laughs> Up the Rams. Up the Rams. Oh dearie me. Speaking of Rams, Pete, let's talk about Faustino Aspria. I mean, you could have moved. You could have moved straight from uh, Clive Aguilar, uh, the YouTube footballer, to uh, Faustino Aspria because he had a bit that bit of that to him, didn't he? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. I suppose. But he's gone with a very crash. Speaking of Rams, Rams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe we mentioned on the pod previously that Faustino. Tino Aspria has said he would give away one million condoms from his own range to help with the global shortage during the pandemic. And he tweeted, I have a lot of condoms left in the company and I want people to help me use them because it's very difficult for me to use them all. I thought, well, give it a good, damn good go, won't you, Tino? Um, but si- since then, uh, t- uh, Tino uh, tweeted a photo of a drone saying that the Johnnies will be delivered by a fleet of drones. And we should say that Tino's face is on the box and he's kind of giving a kind of a slight, I, d- I don't know, how would you describe the facial expression? Suggestive? Yeah, it's as if he's in the in use of one of his own condoms, uh, <laughs> but his face his face is not on the actual condom itself, as far as I'm well, aware. I mean, I would remove the condoms from the box and secrete them around uh, my bedroom because uh, <laughs> Fasino Spiria's face is the last one I want to see uh, before beginning <laughs> underwhelming sexual congress, quite frankly. Yeah, and congress, the thing is, yeah. though, Pete, speaking on behalf of someone who isn't you... If if right. I was to walk into your bedroom and there mm. were just individual condoms dotted about, placed yeah. everywhere, like I would candles. fear the worst. And, and secondly, <laughs> t- yeah, yeah, like really <laughs> horrible candles. Secondly, I think Tina Asprey is a classic example of a human being in a certain situation who has just got no one around him saying, Sorry, mate, what are you talking about? <laughs> what? Because, I mean, the, the condom thing, fine. I understand he runs a business for the rest of it. And, oh, I'm going to deliver him by drone. You, shut up. You're just, you're just making it up now. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, it's to the point where it's hard to tell if he's serious or not, isn't it? Because it's Faustino Espria. He could be serious about the most ridiculous things possible. I'd love to get a delivery of anything by a drone, especially condoms, though. I think, actually, would you look cool to your neighbours or would you look ridiculous? I think you'd look like you were trying way too hard. Yeah, you're probably <laughs> yeah. right. Which, to be fair, I am. So it's, it's fine. <laughs> every, t- every, every time Tino's had a business, it always seems like one of those, not 2 a.m. ideas with a, with a close friend uh, when 100%. you've been up all night. It's a 4 a.m. kind of... Uh, and you know yeah. why he's up at 4 a.m. You know why he's still awake. Absolutely. You know why? Yes. We, we all know why he's still awake at 4 a.m. So, so yeah. he's, just, he's just having... Yeah, let's do that. Let's start a band. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's buy a crane, <laughs> rent it out. But also, yeah, cool. he's one of those people, Pete, where he's a doer as well. So by the time he wakes up, he's already started the process, <laughs> which is how these things end up actually happening. Oh, yeah, me. it's like um, it's like uh, when um, when um, Dana White, the head of UFC, said he's going to carry on doing UFC fights on his own on a massive private island that he was going to rent. rent. <laughs> I'll just I'll just leave that there. I'm not making any suggestions. I'm just leaving that there. That's what he said he was going to do. That's all I'm saying. Mate, him yeah. and Vince McMahon are on the uh, are on the panel uh, for Donald Trump. They've got his ear how to get the uh, sports economy back uh, up and running. So that's the first move that Donald Trump's ever made that I wholeheartedly support. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pete, if we can just go quickly back to um, your leaving the condoms around thing, does this mean that they're right, okay. littered in the back of your driving mobile? <laughs> 
Connor's in the back of my automobile. Um, no, I blue tack them to the walls. <laughs> that is chilling. Absolutely chilling. I uh-huh. once went to a uh, lady's house a long, 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 long time ago, oh. and uh, she had a bowl Beta. full of them, which made me feel real special. <laughs> Marcus, I, take us to a break. I we need am to get going out of to take us very much uh, to a break. See you in a moment, everybody. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time, and that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time for you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ramble. Welcome back to the Football Ramble on Football Ramble Daily. Uh, Luke, let's have a Patreon update, old sport. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much, uh, Marcus. Yeah, patreon.com forward slash football ramble daily. Um, thank you very, very much to everyone who's contributed so far and who uh, who uh, sends uh, money every month, who's subscribed. Um, we've, we've hopefully recorded loads of extra content and provided you with loads of extra stuff to repay you for that and those of you who don't want to sign up absolutely fine you'll still get six and in some cases seven episodes a week absolutely free the seventh last week which came out yesterday was our inaugural book club um, episode where we uh, Andy Brassel, Kate Mason and I reviewed um, Duncan Hamilton's Provided You Don't Kiss Me so if you haven't heard that, well worth a listen, uh, it was lots of fun to make and, and I think people have enjoyed it so check that out but if you can afford to chuck a bit of money our way uh, every month for extra content we'd very much appreciate it, thank you very much to everyone who's done that so far, you can do so for as little as $5 a month it's patreon.com forward slash football ramble daily for lots more extra content and helps us Keep the lights on. Keep ourselves uh, in, uh, or keep Pete in condoms um, for <laughs> in this difficult advertising market. So it's patreon.com forward slash football ramble daily. Thanks. We love you all dearly. Right. It's now time for emails with PTD. Now 
It is time for emails with Pete D. Actually, thinking about Faustino Spria, he used to rock around with a um, a dinosaur suit, didn't he? I mean, he could donate yeah. those to uh, the NHS or the NHS, whatever uh, situation they have in their, his country, as kind of uh, the like protective uh, wear. All of his PPE. dinosaur suits, unless um, PPE, unless yeah. they are the condoms, oh, and they're God. just like full body ones. They could be used as gloves. Um, anyway, Robert Dunn. <laughs> Robert Dunn has got in touch. Kevin Keegan and Barry Chuckle, Morning Ramblers. Yesterday, I was listening to some ramble meats while cooking dinner and finished them all. My word. I decided to listen to a random episode from the 4th of May, 2011, entitled Barry Chuckle. The show started off in great fashion with Pete questioning why Jim didn't show up to his 30th birthday. Why, Jim? Why? Why, Jim? Don't why? Re- th- don't remember. Getting an invite. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you guys. Were, well, I am approaching forty, so uh, yeah, get get involved. Uh, you guys were talking about Liverpool and saying how well recent arrival uh, Lewis Suarez was doing, and likewise, youngster Jay Spearing. Uh, their careers have certainly taken different paths. Yeah. Uh, there was a little trip to Diego Corner, and then there was a profile. The one, the only, Mr. Kevin Keegan. Fantastic listening. Needless <laughs> to say, to go along with the title, I had a good chuckle. Keep up the work. Uh, keep up the great work. I, I removed great, so I didn't want to be self-congratulatory. Just keep so up it the just work. Just weird. do the work. <laughs> keep, the work. <laughs> keep the work. So I, I kind of, uh, yeah, I try to temper that a little bit. In minutes, I'm really weird. Uh, your pods are helping to uh, keep some sort of structure to my week. Stay safe. Bob, thank you very much for your message. Uh, Bob, uh, Jacob sent a message that started. <laughs> the subject line says, the final solution to voiding the Premier League. Not reading that out. Sounds a bit uh, extreme. Uh, ben Vanderveld uh, says... Uh, <laughs> Uh, hello, lads. Outstanding work so far on unravelling the conundrum of how to talk about football when there's no football on. Uh, getting in touch as I am in the minority of Newcastle fans that are absolutely heartbroken by the prospect of my beloved football team being taken over by the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund. Excuse me, and obviously edit like hell, I haven't, uh, but I'm about to go off on one. After oh. 30 years of joy, despair, and everything in between, from Shearer's wallop against Everton, uh, assisted by uh, Shola Amiobi, he is admitted, uh, to Joe Kinnear's, uh press conferences, I cannot support mm-hmm. my club anymore. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad Mike Ashley will be going. Fuck him and his spendthrift, heartless brain, the soulless running and ruining of Newcastle United. I hope that every second step of his, uh, of his is on to upturned plugs and sharpened Lego. I wanted new owners, just not these ones. I completely understand the desire to rid ourselves of Ashley and compete at the top, but I have a very simple question for the Newcastle fans. Would Sir Bobby approve of this takeover? Would he work for this bunch? That man is the heart of what our football club is about, and I don't think he would. Because our new owners are murderers and monsters make no mistake they are the very worst of us us, far worse than Ashley any football club can be unlucky to have an unsavoury immoral owner but when it's one individual or even a consortium I can still get my head around supporting the team in spite of this but we're about to be funded by the government of another country who are vile they hate women they hate gay people uh, dissent protest uh, uh, any alternative worldview, and they torture and murder to stay in power this regime our new owners administer public lashings and worse to rape victims as they blame them for adultery how we're the lads. I cannot be part of that. Friends and fans have said that, that they're able to separate the owner from the club and because our own government is so mor- morally bankrupt and welcome business with this regime, we as football fans are devoid of responsibility in how we react to this takeover, but I can't get my head around that. If a consortium of benevolent billionaires fronted by Jimmy Nail, Sting and Anton Deck took over with a 51% stake for the fans and half of our profits go to charity, we'd crow about it endlessly. So we have to own it when our owners are at the other end of that moral spectrum. You don't have 
to support a football club, however much you love them. Um, and and, and it, goes, it does go on. He says, uh, of course, I'm a hypocrite. I drive a car fueled by petrol. And this email comes uh, to you from a Huawei phone. Uh, but we all pick out hypocrisies, and this one is too far for me. This is the most bittersweet spot in experience of my life, and it hurts like hell. Yours now looking for a charming and hilarious non-league club to support. Ben, get involved with Gateshead. I don't know. It's a, it, it, it was a long email, but I thought it was worth uh, reading out. Thank, yeah. uh, thank you yeah. very much, Ben. And just off the back of that, yeah, thank you very much for that. Just off the back of that, I should point out that tomorrow on Jules and Andy, I believe that the guys are going to be talking to Rob Harris from Associated Press about the latest with what's happening with that takeover. So hopefully we'll have some news for people on that front as well. But mm. it's a difficult, uh, really difficult situation. Um, I've, well, we've made our feelings clear on it on Friday, didn't we? So we probably don't have to go mm. over, rehash that. But it's nice to hear from a fan. And, and I feel proud that we can give a platform to a proper fan who who who, who, who has their misgivings. And, and I think we were right to, to air that. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of press uh, being slightly unrealistic, and there is a lot, and I mean a lot, of Newcastle fans not exactly covering themselves in glory or treating um, the uh, subject with the gravity that I think it deserves. Certainly, in social mm. media, but hey, social media, people yeah. shout a lot. Uh, if you'd like to <laughs> enter the show, show at footballrumbledaily yeah. yeah, They could sign Kylian Mbappe though, so. You know, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. There's the other side that's of the Marcus. coin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Uh, that's not going to happen either. Uh, well, um, thank you very much, Peter, for, for reading out those emails. Uh, Luke, what was this? Was there something about Ross Barkley and, and Trevor Sinclair? I wanted to bring something to the table, which I thought was... Well, I've got a couple of quick stories that I, I think they're hilarious. So basically, the, the, Chelsea, uh, the Chelsea official Twitter did a screenshot of Ross Barkley's uh, Strava about him running a five-kilometer run in a, just over 16 minutes, which for those who aren't you know, into that kind of stuff, uh, and bear in mind, I try to be into that kind of stuff, but I'm not, uh, that's very, very fast indeed. I mean, that's a very <laughs> fast time. It's very, very impressive. Uh, until um, sometimes you get the, uh, the hero you, you need and not the hero you want. But Detective Joey Barton got on the case. <laughs> had a little look into the Stravas in question and pointed out that um, if you look at the elapsed time of the run and rather than just the recorded running time, it looks as if, and I'm not casting any aspersions on Ross Barkley's character at all, but it looks as if what's been happening there is that he's been sprinting really fast, stopping it, having a rest, sprinting really fast again, stopping it, having a rest to get the fastest time possible. Uh, now, I understand that uh, he might have just been doing a shutter run thing and maybe the club's Twitter have picked up on it and, and put the wrong message out there. But I just thought it was hilarious that Joey Barton took it up as a cause celebrity yeah. among everything that's going on. So no, this is the fucking story we need. That is a disgrace. And then he went, he went and did it with Trevor Sinclair as well. Poor old Trevor. Oh, He's retired yes. now. Leave Trevor alone. We need we need some sort of you know ITV drama on this. I'd fancy Michael Sheen to play Ross Barkley. You know yeah, this is what yeah. we need. So go and check out um, Joey. Joy, <laughs> I mean, not often I say this, but go and check out Joey Barton's Twitter account for more uh, Strava-based um, investigations. Luke and the him. second <laughs> the second thing I wanted to put to, to, to that got got my attention uh, today is that the BBC do this thing called Bite Size. Uh, it's like an educational tool for children, and they've today they've launched a thing called Bite Size Daily, where every day you have a um, you have a little um, a, uh, a lesson in a certain subject taught by a famous person, right? So 
for example, the science one this week, I believe, is being done by Professor Brian Cox. Okay, I know Pete doesn't like him. Pete doesn't like his face, but we accept that he is a public <laughs> intellectual, a very popular. I don't like one. his lips. You know, the natural world one is being done by David Attenborough. Right, that's oh. all well and good. Great. Um, here's where it gets a little bit interesting. This week, I believe Spanish. The Spanish lesson is being done by Sergio Aguero. Yep. Oh, come on. You like that? And yeah, it's better that's, though, just isn't it? bu- that's just building up to the main event. Guess yeah. who's doing history? I Mate already Dalton. know this. It's, it's Danny Dyer. Oh, it is Danny God. Dyer. <laughs> Bear in mind, though, Danny wow. Dyer is a direct descendant of Edward, of Edward II and Thomas Cromwell, isn't he? As we saw in the greatest hour of TV ever. I think that's why he might be doing it. Either that or he's just doing, either that he's just doing the history of the craze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is is Aguero Spanish going to be different to Spanish Spanish? Yeah. Ask Marcus. Well, yeah. Ask Joey Barton. He'll get to the bottom yeah. of it. Mm. It just he needs to be clear. Speak. That's all. South American. He does Spanish. speak Spanish, so that, that's yeah. But like, <laughs> but I'm saying that the way that the way that there's no fuzz in uh, South American Spanish, is there? Fuh, fuh, fuh. Not and not in all Spanish Spanish though. As well, there's a bit of a misnomer. Mm. Pete, kids can't go to school at the moment. I don't think their their parents, who are probably completely strung <laughs> out, are going to be worried right. about the specific type of Spanish that's being taught. They just <laughs> want to be able to have a cup of tea and put their feet up for half an hour with mm. Sergio Aguero's handsome face. Exactly. <laughs> saying "Donde esta la playa?" Yeah. <laughs> Dereliction. <laughs> Los Cientos, everyone. Yeah. There we go. And Steve McLaren's doing the Dutch lesson next week. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys see um what 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 happened uh with that that leeds fan uh leeds have got a, a player called ben white on loan from from brighton at the mm. moment and a, a five-year-old leeds fan uh wrote to brighton asking them if he could contribute his pocket money to make it permanent it was something like 15 pounds oh. and seven pence which is um just adorable isn't it which well the kid hasn't the, got the a clue price. yeah he, he hasn't, he hasn't looped, to be honest yeah. kids living in a dream world He's got some harsh lessons to learn about the real world. <laughs> Pete, did you say Dennis Wise? Yeah, he's like, he's like Dennis Wise helping Mike Ashley with the uh, purchases of natural Gonzalez. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, can you help us broker this deal? Well, I can give you 15 quid. All right, yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> and he would take it, Ashley. Yeah. Oh, dearie me. Dearie me. Right, ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for Pete's Film Club. It's time for the film club. I hope you've all done your revision because this week was quite a good one. The film in question was the Arsenal Stadium Mystery from uh, 1939 during a charity soccer match between top professional side Arsenal, never heard of them, and touring amateur side Trojans. The Trojans' new star player collapses. When he dies, Inspector Slade of Scotland Yard is called in and declares it a murder. It takes all his ingenuity and another death before the motive is discovered and the killer is revealed. Look, look, what's the matter with Doyce? By Jove, he does look bad. Doyce has just collapsed like a log. It must be some sort of a faint or something. I didn't see him get hit. Inga, he's dead. Leslie, yes, this is Inspector Slade. How do you do? How do you do? Now, did any of you see Doyce eat or drink anything at halftime? Well, he took a slice of lemon, but then so did most of the other boys. Yes, of course. What about the parcel? Yes, that's right. He got a parcel at half time. A parcel? Well, KO man, what's happened to your head? Huh? It's as black as ink. Oh, good man, Clinton. I knew you could do it. Well, of course it was Rail. He was Mary Kindler's fiance. He killed Doyce for driving Mary Kindler to suicide. 
and he killed Gwen Lee to stop her from talking. The Arsenal Stadium mystery. Did you enjoy it? <laughs> I certainly did, Peter. I it was thought, good, I wasn't think, it? I think this is the best film that we've uh, that we've done. Yeah, I, I think um, I can't remember. There's some famous directors who are big, big fans of this one. I might have mentioned them uh, last 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 uh, week, yeah. but I think in many ways, watching these, this is the sort of film I see my dad watching. It's like an old dad's channel on sky mm. uh, really high in the 700s and they just play films from this era and he just watches them over and over again and then he'll send me links to them when he's you know, up at one o'clock in the morning and it it i just i do like old films that just they just race through all of the dialogue shout <laughs> their lines and then the the film is over in an hour and 20 done finished yeah yeah, I have to say, I, I actually quite enjoyed this. There's a great TV channel called Talking Picks TV, which I believe is free. I think it's free to air, um, and it just shows endless uh, British black and white movies. I've never quite seen um, the Arsenal Stadium mystery on there, but it very much reminded me of a type of movie they show on there. It, it, it was it was really really enjoyable, chiefly because. It was so revealing. I know this sounds like an obvious thing to say, but it's so revealing just how different, not just football, but the world was that long ago. And I, I actually have to say that this might say more about my deductive skills, um, uh, which is apt because it was a, it's a mystery movie, um, than, than anything else. But I, I, I had to found that to really concentrate to follow what was happening for a mm. couple of reasons. One, because every single person in it looks the same. Right? <laughs> Two, they all dress the same. And three, they've all got the same haircut, right? Mm, so yeah. it's very difficult to, to work out what's going on. I, uh, for example, I don't know. I, I mean, I'll throw it to you next, Marcus, but I, don't, I, I found it very tough at the start to work out who was actually a professional actor and who was the footballers mm. that are actually in it as footballers because everything just seems so alien compared to modern movies. Yeah. I know, I know exactly <clears throat> what you mean. Um, and in the spirit of what Pete was saying, when they sort of rattle through it, what I love about th these types of films from yesteryear, <clears throat> and I think, I think Dial M for Murder, which is quite a, a famous one, might end in a similar fashion. I won't give away the ending, but but when the killer, <clears throat> when it sort of concludes, it finishes so abruptly, like it's kind of yeah. like, right, yeah, job done. See you, bye. You know, you that, don't even get to see the guy arrested, do you? No, exactly. <laughs> like it is, it's it is wrapped up in a neat little package. To quote Homer Simpson, and it, 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 there's no kind of oh, and they lived happily ever after, or this person went on to do them, or you see them all <laughs> relax into whatever came after that. It's kind of like no, we we're here for this. You've got it. That's enough. <laughs> and uh, and and that was quite good. But there was there was some lovely lines in it. I, I can't remember any sort of specifically off the top of my head. But I thought the football scenes weren't too bad. Yeah, it was um, it was a match between uh, Arsenal and Brentford. Uh, so yeah. Brentford played the role of the uh, the Trojans at the time, mm. uh, but none of them died. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll make that clear. Make that, make that absolutely clear. Yeah, I mean, Jim, what did you think of it? Because I think it's the best film we've seen out of out of the, uh, the 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 fine selection we've been given so far. Yeah, I would agree with you. And actually, further to the point that Pete just made about the football being a game between Arsenal and Brentford, it was actually a league match. Uh, it was the final league match of the 1939 season and therefore the final league match before the outbreak of the Second World War. Oh. So the reason that the Trojans wore white kits was because Brentford wore white kits. So I thought like some of the footage of the football did look genuinely decent and like 
like yeah. even by modern standards and i was quite surprised by it so it did make sense to see it was an actual competitive game with something riding on it and just uh, i uh, luke's right as well it's so weird to see so many sort of posh men with pipes in in football and george allison <laughs> the, the arsenal manager at the time um has quite a big role in it and he speaks yeah. a lot and everything is He's so quite good and it's he, he is quite good but it's it's all it's all very very posh and all just very rp and and by jove there's a lot of enjoyable old timey speak and that's a fact and as you know <laughs> yeah. like i'm well into yeah. that it reminded me a lot yeah. of um um Mr. Chon Mondley Warner from from Harry Enfield because it was so similar <laughs> and there's a bit I loved where Cliff Bastin is described as the boy wonder and he looks about three hundred years old. <laughs> just, yeah. People have changed so much on that front, like with the uh, with the, like, the dialogue and the way that people carry themselves. It is really funny. It's like really charming. Yeah. But, the, yeah. but when you first get introduced to the detective, oh, who is fun. easy to be fair to him, is easy to spot and easy to follow from yeah. the start because he's quite eccentric, right? And he wears these different types of hats and stuff. And when he first hears about the case, uh, someone says to him something like, "Oh, there's been a, there's been a, uh, yeah, a mystery or whatever. It's a football match." And he looks into the sort of distance. He goes, "Football? Ugh. Outdoor fellas with shorts on." <laughs> and then, Outdoor fellas. Uh, I know. And then he, uh, when he's in the dressing room and his little, his like hapless assistant is asking him what he's going to do. Um, are you going to look for clues? And then the detective says. No, I wait for the clues to come to me. And I thought, well, that's 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 not ideal for a detective, is it? I mean, like as far as I'm concerned, some of the job must be quite proactive. He got yeah. the job done, though. I like that when they uh, when they started running down the team, and the BBC announcer is going, "Bremner, born with a silver football in his mouth." Yeah, yeah. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> yeah, that was, a lo- that was a lovely line. And if this uh, film has taught us nothing else, uh, if your girlfriend is quite annoyed, you say, I do believe you're quite annoyed. Then you kiss them full on the mouth and <laughs> oh, tell yeah. them you're going to have sex later. Yeah. You're right, <laughs> Pete. He says he's in the back of the car with her, the guy who um, gets, gets murdered, and he goes... <laughs> He says, oh, we are annoyed, aren't we? Well, we'll soon settle that. And then he just leans in and gets off of her. Like, yeah, and it's, <laughs> it, it's a very aggressive kiss as well. Like old-timey movies, kissing seemed to be a, a very aggressive thing. Like you would effectively just press your face onto someone else's. Like it was a window you're blowing a raspberry onto. Very, very strange. We're back to um, Pete's bedroom again, aren't we? <laughs> Pete's car that apparently has walls. Um <laughs> With condoms blue tacked onto them. But the plot like kind of comes <laughs> to a point where um, when a player is... Sp- well, there's two situations where a player is spark out. One of them just knocked out on the field and the mm. ref comes over with a sponge and puts it on his head and gives oh. him some smelling salts and he's back up and running. <laughs> he shouldn't be doing that. He's literally spark out. And then yeah. when Doyce, the player who actually... The, the, the pound shot Paul Newman who, who dies, um, uh, he's, he's literally dead his heart's not going <laughs> and the doctor the doctor in the uh, medical room goes I don't like the look of this at all yeah the bloke's dead <laughs> that's so good I love it I absolutely that's love so it good. I have to say as well it's so ridiculous and pathetic but when Arsenal scored I, I was genuinely happy to me it was oh. like Arsenal, <laughs> actual Arsenal had scored a goal and I, I, you know what there was supposed to be a sequel to this movie but the bloody Second World War got in the way and it was going to be set on the um, it was going to be about a, a, a film being made and something happening on, on during the production of it and you can see that mm. it was intended to be a long running thing because the guy that played the uh, detective who was also a theatre director um, oh, yeah. in, in the plot just to make him a little bit more eccentric he it had the feel of the, the, the intention of, for this to be 
an ongoing thing because it almost felt like an episode of something rather than a movie yeah. itself. And and I think it's worthy of a remake. You know, if there's ever going to be some sort of Premier League mm-hmm. streaming platform, they're going to need content outside of football. So some sort of Midsummer Murder style thing where, you know, murders happen all the time at Premier League grounds. I'd, I'd be into it. Um, I, I really enjoyed the um, the detective. Detective, I thought he was great. I thought he was really yeah. watchable, and and, yeah. and every time he was on the screen, you're like, okay, this is going to be fun. And I looked him up, the actor. I forget his name, but he he was he made his name doing um, playing quite a lot of sinister, dark um, roles. Actually, I think I think as far as I can make out, um, that's bit, that that role in the Arsenal Stadium mystery was a bit of a departure for him. Mm. Um, but I, I thought he played it really well. He was he's by far the standout uh, character in it. But the one thing that really disappointed me about the movie is that um, Robbie, DT, and Troops weren't in it at any point. <laughs> <laughs> and, I don't know. There was there was a um, a, a guy well, in the was. front row giving a lot of um, old timey banter to the referee. There was. Yeah. Who was great. You know, he's the the equivalent effectively. ERF, don't keep blowing your whistle, blow your nose. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's it. That's the line Finger out, me. finger out. Give me money, give me money. <laughs> so weird. Blow your nose. Anyway, overall, it was a good movie. It was, oh, it was excellent. Really, really, really enjoyable. And a great to see the uh, celebrated uh, actor uh, Greta Gint, who uh, was Norwegian. Uh, huge star in England, tried to move to Hollywood in her 40s and was laughed out of town. Because um, that's how Hollywood works. So and that's how it'll work for us in a few years' time. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to hear what you've got for uh, next Monday, lads? Oh, God. No. Can I say no? Sort of. Can I say no to this? <laughs> um, well, it was actually a suggestion from uh, a guy called uh, Tim Holland who'd uh, forwarded on, uh, I think, an animated GIF of this film. And once I saw, I think, a Haitian international uh, doing a very weird uh, football goal, uh, I thought, we have to, we have to cover this film. It's a film from 1987 called Hot Shot. A rich soccer player in New York packs up his upper-class life and heads for Brazil to find Pele, the greatest footballer who ever lived, who is now a farmer. It's basically just Karate Kid with Pele. It's brilliant. Oh, wow. No, no, I'm in. I'm in. Same, yeah. Should have just said that at the start. Yeah. And it's uh, it's on Amazon Prime, so no excuses, everyone. Great. (laughs) Great. Beautiful. Well, nice one, Petey. Um, I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to that one as well. We've sort of maybe we've got in our groove, although we shouldn't say that because <laughs> Pete will then sort of come in with some sort of soccer dog three punishment or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Marcus. On, on yeah. that note as well, I have never since <laughs> since the start of this film club, I have never paid so much attention to the runtime of movies. <laughs> <laughs> and like, if, if it's like one, like the one, like the Arsenal Stadium mystery was like one yeah, hour yeah, twenty. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. that is absolutely Perfect. lovely. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Yeah, and it was good, whereas whereas Playing for Keeps was nearly two hours, wasn't it? And you think, come on, yeah. we've got our priorities wrong these days. Um, <laughs> Gerard Butler has got his priorities in the correct order. Um, so in that, film. Yeah, I've just checked so... the uh, runtime of um, Hot Shot, and it's 94 minutes. Not too bad. Ideal. Okay. Yeah, well, there we are. There we are, ladies and gentlemen. Right, thank you very much for listening to the Football Ramble on Football Ramble Daily. Jules and Andy are back uh, tomorrow. As Luke's already said, there should be another brilliant show from those two lovely people. Uh, and until then, uh, say goodbye, Luke. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Jimmy. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Petey. Bye-bye. And it's goodbye from me, you lovely lot. This was a Stakhanov production.